Hello and welcome to the Curzon Film Podcast. This week we're losing human parts all over the place with the heart-stopping last Christmas and the distressed digits of Jeremy Clapham's I Lost My Body. I'm Jake Cunningham and joining me in this crowded room, friends with tired eyes... We've got someone special. Hello, Ella Kemp. Hello. And he's fooled us again, Sam Howlett. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Oh, what a merry last Christmas to you both. <laughs> merry Christmas, everyone. It's mid-November. I wish, it, I wish it could be George Michael Day every day. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so we've got a couple of films to get into today. Uh, before we talk about last Christmas, uh, it's time to talk about the animation that's bringing a new definition to the body movie. Oh, how very droll. <laughs> so this is I Lost My Body, which follows a cut-off hand, which has escaped from a dissection lab with one crucial goal, to get back to its body. That's the big plot hook for this one, but it's also about Nufel, his blossoming love for Gabrielle, and his new apprenticeship at a carpenter's. Now this is a Netflix film that's also going to be in cinemas, and it's the debut feature from Jeremy Clapin. It's what's really nice about these new directors coming through at the moment. I really love that they're Vim- they have Vimeo pages from when they were making films like <laughs> ten years ago, and people made shorts and they'd put them on there. And Jeremy Clapin's Vimeo is just there, and you can watch his old shorts. You can see like, oh look, I got a staff pick on Vimeo. <laughs> and you, you can watch those. Uh, so I'd really encourage people to go and check those out. Um, this is his first feature. And it was the first animated film to win the Critics Week at Cannes. Uh, Critics Week is uh, not part of the official competition, but it's just a a platform to highlight other interesting work. It's been going for uh, 50 years or so. And so amazing that an animated film Mm. has won that award. And so I think there's a lot of intrigue about this one, uh, particularly that it played at that festival, won that award, gets bought by a company like Netflix, um, how were we feeling about this one? Was there a sense of anticipation for I Lost My Body at all? Definitely. I know a lot of people that have seen this at various festivals throughout the year, and it's something that keeps sort of cropping up in pe- uh, people's best of their festivals. So it's something that's been on my mind for a while. And uh, I'm really glad that I finally got the chance to see it because I think it's a really nice film. Yeah, same for me. Um, as you say, the fact that an animated film won this prize was really really cool and also the tone of the film the way that people were describing it it's very much an an, a a serious animation for adults that's not a comedy that's not gimmicky that's got you know quite a dark subject line so yeah a lot of a lot of intrigue yeah um, i'm particularly curious about it um because of how much netflix Mm -hmm. are pushing animation at the moment uh this release almost coincides with the release of their film klaus Um, which is a completely hand-drawn feature animation, something that just does absolutely not happen Mm -hmm. anymore. Mm -hmm. Amazingly, you can see the first trailer for Klaus uh, went online in 2015. That's how long these films take to make. Um, And Klaus is a a really beautiful-looking film, um, and Netflix is pushing a lot in anime as well and um, really broadening their animation uh, sphere. But, uh, Ellie, you've, you've watched Klaus. I haven't mm-hmm. seen it yet, but as I understand it, whilst whilst the craft is there, the technical skill is there, 
um, the narrative is maybe lacking. And for me, that's that's maybe where I lost my body kind of slots as well. Yeah, definitely. I, I found with Klaus that from, from the opening, it looks stunning. And, you know, that, that level of skill carries on until the very end. But in my mind, the two strong points are very good looking animation and nice Christmas film. If I had to go into the plot details of it, I could kind of vaguely say, mm, there's a postman, there's Father Christmas, <laughs> I guess. And that's... I mean, that's not exactly where I am with I Lost My Body, but I Lost My Body, I would stay... I'd be more familiar with the synopsis because you just said it. Right. Um, okay. And then I would remember broader strokes from it and then like standout moments and images rather than the whole storyline. Yeah, uh, I think that's absolutely the um, reason to go and seek out I Lost My Body. It is unlike anything that's going to... It's gonna... so weird. Yeah. yeah. It really is, weird. It is genuinely about the disembodied hand trying to find its way back to its body. <coughs> mm-hmm. uh, the title does not lie. Um, and it looks incredible. Like There is imagery here that you're just not going to find in a live-action film, yeah. in even mm-hmm. another animated film at the moment. Uh, that isn't maybe a short where someone's trying out something experimental. Sure. Um, and it is great sometimes when someone makes a short and they're able to expand it. Like something like Nine is an mm. example of that, particularly mm-hmm. with animation. Um, and at times you wonder, was there a short in this in the first place that maybe got dragged out of it? Yeah, it feels a bit like that because the concept is such a sort of really punchy, one-sentence concept. Disembodied Hand tries to find its owner. And that's a really, wow, that sounds incredible but also it's very hard to wrap a 90-minute story around that. So I think this is obviously starts with that concept and then everything else is built around that. Yeah. And I think the problem, not problem, but I think the thing with the film is that it has these flashbacks about um, the lead character who used to have his hand and it's sort of, there's this weird thing about his relationship with his hand when it was attached to him. Mm. And it's almost like this weird version of a breakup they have when the hand is disembodied. Yeah. You have the hand desperately trying to, reconnect with its former partner the hand who has a name is called um rosalie and the all the the way throughout is made into like a female hand very specifically Mm. and the hand is i think the where the film is at the strongest oh yeah because it's almost divided Mm. down the middle in terms of screen time yeah and it's it's the hand that is really astonishing stuff like there's a sequence where the hand needs to travel from one side of a road to another mm-hmm. and so it holds onto an umbrella and mm. flies That's so over. good. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah, like this is probably like like a transcendent moment of the <laughs> film. Yeah. And like there's bits like this where the hand it doesn't talk. It's, it's not a Pixar-y thing um, like that where or a DreamWorks where it's like, what if a hand could talk? Or what if a hand could have feelings? And the hand can have feelings. Yeah. But it's it's really expressive just through movement. And they don't need to explain why it can see or hear it mm-hmm. just can they don't need to yeah they don't need to anthropomorphize it anymore it's just a hand it doesn't even have a human shape if you know what i mean it yeah. just is the hand yeah. yeah and that's more that that's all we need but the breadth of emotion that can be translated just through particular movements of the hand because it is some like the sense of touch is so familiar to all of us that we yeah. understand that body movement and body mm. language that someone's fingers can have and so there's terror rejoice longing mm. it's all there in mm-hmm. this single hand it's it's amazing. But I think you also get that from uh, the very title of the film, which is I Lost My Body, rather than, hey guys, I Lost My Hand. Mm. And mm. like putting that trust in this strange little thing to guide the whole narrative and be like, you need to trust me to tell you what I've lost rather than, 
you know, this this young man walking about, being like, mm, something's going to happen to one of my limbs. Yeah. Mm. Um, so that is Nufel, the mm-hmm. the main man, and that this is where I think the the film lost me a little bit. Um, it's got a stalk the girl, win the girl <laughs> narrative uh, romance. It's definitely presented as romantic yeah. that I wasn't really that into. I think the thing is the stuff of the hand is so good. Like, I love mm-hmm. I love hand versus pigeon. I love the rats. I mm. love all the way that you know, the stuff of the sewer. I think it looks incredible and it's so fun and really engaging because he's safe. But, I mean, I think this would have, for me, this would have worked better as a a silent film in a way where mm. there's no dialogue where you're just following the hand yeah. the, the body's almost incidental I think would have been my preferred way because that, but because that is so good that then you do feel it's all a little bit familiar when it's boy likes girl yeah. blah 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 yeah like boy is not interesting and like girl yeah. is not treated very well and then and then he messes up and then you know he, he kind of gets what he deserves in the sense that I don't think the film fully indulges in saying oh poor boy who has terrible mm. things happening to him I think it just about gets Avoids away that, yeah. with it but he's still he's just he's not as interesting as his hand mm. and <laughs> but that, that's maybe such that, a burn what, what but, that's, but that's like I'm sure the film the film understands yeah, that as yeah, well yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah it doesn't quite just get the balance right yeah. between them um, but I know I think this is from the writer of Amelie mm. and Amelie yeah. is sickeningly whimsical yeah. and um, yeah. quirky and this Manage, completely manages to avoid that, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think that's from the music as well, because in Amelie there is all of that huge Plinky music plonky, and do, the do, kind do, of like accordion. Oh, yeah, and, and, yeah, yeah, like amazing, but very specific. And yeah. if, if if you find that grating, then, you know, start to finish, it's an annoying film. Um, I music don't. here, however, yeah. Dan Levy, um, this is really beautiful synth stuff. Mm. Um, it's reminiscent of Max Richter's work on The Leftovers, yep. which I think is up there with Richter's absolute best work. And Levy's score is fantastic and he i think this is maybe only his second film score or something when i looked at his credits there was yeah there were only two so i think this is astonishing work really yeah um it's a really really fantastic film um and do seek it out if you can uh find it in a cinema before yeah it drops onto netflix i'd really recommend it. i think it's for fans of uh, i don't know for me it felt a little bit del toro-y this kind yeah. of magical <clears throat> fantasy realism but not really about the horror more about the kind of the characters and or making this horrible thing that we typically think of as a monster, making that into something relatable and something that we recognise as human. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and I think the more like simple character-driven Studio Ghibli film, something like The Red mm-hmm. Turtle, I think would be um, certainly a stylistic comparison. Mm-hmm. And that's I Lost My Body. And we should probably move on and talk about Last Christmas. And so this one is about Kate... And nothing seems to go right for her, does it? Oh. You know, Kate. she's oh, a frustrated Kate. Londoner who works as an oh, elf. Who isn't? Yeah, <laughs> hey, guys. Yeah, guys. Right? The commute today. Yeah, oh. for and and you, uh, we all work as an elf in a year-round Christmas shop, <laughs> in a way, don't we? Oh, yeah. we, we know that life. Um, but for Kate, things soon take a turn for the better when she meets Tom, a handsome charmer who seems too good to be true. As the city transforms into the most wonderful time of year. Tom and Kate's growing attraction turns into the best gift of all. A Yuletide romance. <laughs> yeah? How do we feel about that? How are we feeling about Paul Feig's Last Christmas? Sam? How am I feeling about Paul Feig's Last Christmas? I was looking forward to this in the way that it's written by Emma Thompson and directed by Paul Feig. Paul Feig is a big fan of Love Actually. 
So this had all the trappings to be a new love, actually. And Do you like his previous stuff? I love his previous stuff. So Paul Feig, weirdly, Paul Feig is the, was the showrunner on Freaks and Geeks. If you, That's the show that sort of launched James Franco, Seth Rogen, Linda Cardellini. It became this sort of cult show. And then he directed loads of things. He directed a lot of episodes of The Office. He directed some Arrested Development, some Community. And then he made Bridesmaids, which I think is one of probably the best comedy of the past, like, 10 years, 20 years. Yeah. I really love Bridesmaids. Agreed. And it was huge. And since then, he's done. He did Spy. He did The Heat. And then he did Ghostbusters, which I, I know has its haters, but I actually quite enjoy that film. Mm-hmm. I think it's really fun. And then, weirdly, he did A Simple Favour last year. Crazy Which film. is a crazy film. Uh, but he's, you know, he is a comedy director, but he's someone that really wants to do something different each time he makes a comedy film. And I think he just likes funny people and just lets funny people do their funny thing. It's an underrated Adam Sandler film. (laughs) (laughs) Ella, uh, Saturday night, listeners may be surprised to hear that you belted (laughs) last Christmas at a karaoke that I was lucky enough to be at. Uh, Despite it being six weeks away from Christmas, uh, you went for it. Um, So I'm guessing you're excited for this film. I mean... Jake, I don't think you could argue with the fact that it was great. Um, <laughs> let, let's let's make that clear, first of all. And yes, the reason that I chose to sing Last Christmas at karaoke six weeks before Christmas is because I had seen Paul Feig's Last Christmas, like maybe nine weeks. Oh, it's like the song. Oh. <laughs> um, and yeah, I'd seen that maybe nine weeks before Christmas. And it fully convinced me and charmed me and I've been feeling festive since then, which is unusual. I'm I'm not like this every year, but this film, it got me. And I was very ready to dislike this film very strongly. Um, I like Christmas films. I like Paul Feig. I like Emma Thompson. But I just... Uh, this do you scene, like Love Actually? I do. I like okay. Love Actually a lot. Um, but there were just too many things... In my mind, I thought, I don't need another Love Actually. Mm. I thought, I already have that one. And... Um, having seen A Simple Favour last year, I thought, right, it's Paul Feig, it's big comedy, there's going to be some kind of twist. And everyone was like, well, we've guessed the twist from the trailer. And I thought, if it's that, I'm, I'm going to hate it. This is just going to be a nightmare. Um, and um, and for me, it wasn't. I had a really great time. Uh, and also, interestingly, I when I went to see Last Christmas, I only had the kind of preemptive it's going to be bad reactions rather than everyone else saying to me, Mm. I've seen it, it's bad. So I saw it (laughs) before other people were telling me how bad it was and before people who hadn't seen it on Twitter were asking, is Last Christmas that bad rather than like just asking how Last Christmas is. So I don't know if that swayed me, Um, like not having anyone else disliking it, I guess. Um, But yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, I'm I'm not a humongous fan of this film, Um, but I can certainly see the charms to it. The things that most excite me about it are the fact that Amelia Clark is just really good. Mm. Like she's she's, she's funny, so yeah. charming yeah. in this. And I think you know, obviously after Game of Thrones, her you know she did that Terminator film that no one liked, and well, and she did Star Wars and like these roles that that didn't quite they, land, that, and yeah. they're meant mm. to come with a lot of weight to yeah. them. And she's and they're they it, that I forgot leads she was to, in that solo film, yeah. <laughs> And these lead to quite rigid performances, I think. But then even Me Before You with Sam Claflin, which is supposed to be this very, like, 
sticky, sweet romance and very much a tearjerker. Mm. I didn't find that to be convincing at all either. I thought it was like too forced and too manipulative. And I think for me, this one works a lot more because she... Like she's able to just be looser and just like if she wants to smile so big, like she can, and that just fully serves the film. However, like however enthusiastic and bigger with her energy she is, that works here. Mm. And I'd never seen that from her before. I think it's great. Yeah, it's the first time she's really carried a film as well. Mm. Like she's in she's in every scene of this. Like it's all about her. Yeah. And even though the film is a romance, I don't think the film is about the couple at all. Absolutely. I think this film is all about her overcoming this current situation in her life and kind of getting her stuff together. Um, And I think she does that really well. She really carries this film. She doesn't have the best lines to deliver all the time in the film. And her character is a little bit flea-baggy Bridget Jonesy. I mean, she always has smudged smudged black eyeliner and like she wears a leopard print coat to show she's messy. And she has a pint in the pocket. Yeah, it's a little bit forced, I think, things like that. But... It's a Christmas film. You can you can forgive those little sure. embellishes. Yeah, um, I found it quite refreshing for as a diversion for Paul Feig as well, because um, I don't I think his scripts uh, can often have a sense of one-upmanship to them, of uh, in a similar way that a Judd Apatow vehicle can as mm. well. Of like it's people trading barbs. It's uh, yeah. we're just going to let this run for twenty minutes mm. and find. Well, it's it in interesting the, edit. the ones he's written. So he didn't write this, but he he didn't write Bridesmaids either. He wrote. Um, I think he wrote Spy and I, th- I think he wrote The Heat mm. but those are the ones that he feel a little bit more off the rail because he seems to just let the actors kind of go for it they mm. can improvise a lot whereas this feels tighter yeah, yeah. maybe yeah um, and another highlight for me is Michelle Yeoh who's been great in Star Trek Discovery for anyone that's been watching that um, and in a lot of her roles she treads this line of like a menace with the heart mm-hmm. of gold and she's so funny in this uh, my favorite scenes of the entire film um sorry to amelia clark and the entire main plot uh, <laughs> but there she's just got this german guy who fancies her who keeps coming into her who christmas she calls shop boy? yeah oh and just all of these scenes just it's really weird. made me laugh it's really They're, weird yeah like the kind of comedy of the scenes is totally it's different so to the intense. rest of the film and um, he's a sauerkraut expert. Yeah. Which I, was like, I don't know if that's and they're like referencing doing, something. They're that doing I've like really sexually uh tinged foreplay mm. conversation involving Christmas ornaments. It's very bizarre. That's, it's really that little it. subplot's really love actually. Yeah. Yes. And I think for me where the film slightly let me down is that love actually is proper like lightning in a bottle. It shouldn't work and it's not very good, but everyone has this weird thing where they really like it, even though... It's like, no oh, I hate it, good. but I watch it every year. Yeah, yeah, there's that thing about love, actually. And I think this film, in trying to recreate that, at moments like the moment you guys were talking about, which didn't work for me at all, <laughs> uh, it, it jumped out at me as trying to be love, actually, at yeah. times. Right, and okay. I think, you know, I, I, it's it's a really enjoyable... It's probably the most Christmassy film of the past few years. Like mm. We feel like we don't really have... Christmas films well, in this way like, anymore. That's what Netflix has swooped in. At. Yeah, like Let It Snow, Princess Switch, yeah. Night Before Christmas, the Christmas Chronicles. Yeah, a Royal, not a Royal Affair. A royal Affair. There's <laughs> <laughs> some a Royal one. <laughs> anyway. But see, the thing with all of those Netflix films is, I think I've maybe watched about. Twenty percent. <laughs> no, I thought, what I was watched, the one that someone oh, watched like dear. ten times in a day. Was that you? <laughs> no, let me carry on. It wasn't me. But the thing with those Netflix films is that also they they 
seem to be producing like a lot, you know, at least like five new ones every year. And I can't say that any of them have majorly convinced me. Whereas last Christmas, for all of its flaws, as soon as it finished, I thought... If this came on TV at like uh, 10 p.m. on the 27th on ITV mm. uh, this year, yeah. I'd watch it again, and I'd watch it next year on the 23rd I mean, or whatever it is. That's I, it. Uh, that's fate, I like isn't your it? specific dates there. I'll watch this on the 23rd or the 27th. Oh no, but th- <laughs> that's crucial about Christmas TV planning. You know that if you've got Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, or Boxing Day, that's like a major slot. That's for your like your. I mean, your love actually. But if you're entertaining enough, you know that you're going to get an audience in. You've got the 23rd, which you're is near enough. You're off work, but, but you haven't got to do a yeah, party or something. 27th, you still, like, you still might be a bit drunk from Boxing Day and all of that. If you've got like 29th or 30th, no, it's practically that's New the graveyard. Year. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like where you want to, where you're like, oh, I'm on TV over Christmas, but you need to hide it because you're yeah, not actually yeah. that good. Yeah. So the date matters a lot. Okay. So, yeah. All right. 23rd so, for last Christmas. Um, if you're, it's out now. <laughs> um, well, yeah, it is out now. On the 15th um, of November. What does that mean? Well, Christmas films at the box office have really, even if they're not huge hits, they have a lot of like staying power. Mm. Yes, I remember when um, the Robert Zemeckis Christmas Carol came out in, like, in the yeah. first week in November. Um, but it yeah. stayed around. You build up to it. Yeah. Um, right, so we must move on from the cinema to the home cinema. Uh, Sam, what's happening on demand at the moment? So on demand, we are currently doing uh, our film of the day for November. So every day we will add a new film to that collection where you can rent it for one ninety nine, and you can do so for the rest of the month. So far, we've had Cold War, A Fantastic Woman, Shoplifters, uh, Capernaum, uh, Hail Satan. So it's like a lot of the big films of the last 12 months. Very good months selection, be, yeah. yeah. So if those are films that you really wanted to see in the cinema or that you've missed, now is a perfect time to catch up with some of those titles. Great. Uh, and the amazing Jonathan documentary is on yes, there as well. We spoke about that last week. That's an incredible documentary. Uh, do check that out in cinemas or on Cousin Home Cinema. Yeah. Um, all right. If you've got any thoughts on I Lost My Body or on Last Christmas, then you can let us know by tweeting at Curzon Cinemas uh, or you can just get in touch with all of us directly on there. I'm on there as at Jake H. Cunningham. Ella, you are there as at Ella underscore Kemp and Sam at Sam Howlett underscore one. And that's really about it. If it's your first time listening to the show and you've enjoyed it, do subscribe. You can do that on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, wherever you get your podcasts. And when you're there, if you want to leave us a review or a comment, that'd be absolutely lovely. Um, but it must be time for us to cut off our hands and start waving them because it's the end of the show. <laughs> Mine's already off. Yeah. It's a bye from me. It's a bye from Sam. Goodbye. And it's a bye from Ella. Goodbye. Oh, Sam just ran out. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs>